From the AMF Podcast Studios, you're listening to the Health and Safety Law Report. I'm Doug Jenks. And I'm Abby White. So last time we were together, we spoke about OSHA inspections, and specifically, we spoke about OSHA inspections of uh, of general industry or, say, fixed sites and not necessarily a construction site. And what we'd like to do today is just follow up and talk a little bit about an OSHA inspection that occurs on a construction site, because it is a little bit different than if OSHA just shows up to your warehouse or your factory or distribution center or, uh, or your office, God forbid. Um, <laughs> so we just wanted to, as I said, just touch base on some of the key differences that you should keep in mind if you are on a construction job site. Yeah, I definitely think construction sites pose a special set of challenges for employers when um, OSHA wants to open an inspection. The first, I think, just being that they're so visible. They're so easily visible. Um, you know, your compliance officer walks into a construction site. It's, it's very difficult. I know in the last episode, we talked about walking them directly to the, the location of, of what it is they want to inspect. It's kind of hard to do that on a construction site. Well, you know, you raise a really good point because often an inspection of a construction site occurs when a compliance officer is literally just driving down the street. Yeah. And he or she looks up on a roof, for example, and sees roofers who are not tied off or people who are up on the building who are exposed for all the world to see and they're doing something that's not safe. It right. almost never happens that a compliance officer is just driving down the road and they happen to see that inside your factory, you don't have a uh, machine guarded, right? And in right. fact, I'll say that never happens. How <laughs> could it? But that's how, that's one of the, that's a really great point to bring up initially. That's a huge difference between construction and general industry because uh, construction uh, contractors and employers are at, I think, greater risk to being inspected uh, by OSHA just by virtue of the fact that they are outside. Yeah. And they'll sit. I mean, if they see a construction site too, you know, let's say they drive through Wendy's and they're just sitting there eating lunch in their car, they'll sit there and watch your, your job until somebody screws up. Um, and then I, I often have employers, maybe I shouldn't say often, but sometimes I'll have employers say, well, if they thought that what we were doing was dangerous, why did they sit around and take all those pictures? You know, why didn't they stop us? If they thought someone was going to fall off the roof, if they really thought someone was going to fall off the roof, surely they would have come and corrected our behavior. And they didn't do that. So obviously they thought it was okay that we were doing things the way we were doing them. It's all and, part uh, of the stakeout. <laughs> yeah, I want to disabuse everyone of the notion that OSHA has any obligation whatsoever to step in. Um, they'll just sit there and watch you until you make a mistake or, you know, it's, it's, they're allowed to do that. Yeah. I guess not necessarily there to help uh, no. as much to build a case to file citations or, uh, allege citations. Yeah. So one of the biggest differences, and maybe I'm gonna, I don't want to uh, step on what you're about to say, but the biggest, one of the biggest differences is that there are often multiple employers involved 
yeah. on a construction site, right? Yes. So how does that impact the whole process here? Well, OSHA has got a multi-employer citation policy, right? So oh, they yes. can nail you four different ways under that as the creating employer, the employer who created the hazard that employees are exposed to. And uh, if you're that employer, you can be cited by OSHA even if your own employees aren't exposed to the hazard, um, which I think is important for people to know. Yeah, um, but you yeah. create a hazard that yeah. exposes some other employer, mm -hmm. employer's employees. Correct. Yep. Um, then you've got the exposing employer, which typically is the employer who employs the people that are exposed is the yep. one that gets cited. Um, the controlling employer and Which the correcting could be employer. Like the, sometimes that could be like the general contractor yep. um, who is in control of the job site. Yeah. And, and control, um, it can either be established by contract or just by practice. So if you are... Um, you know, a general contractor and you see a subcontractor working unsafely um, and you discipline that subcontractor's employees and say, hey, get off my job. Or if you say, hey, stop working, stop doing that. Or, hey, do it this way, not that way. Um, you're exercising control as opposed to going to their foreman or their site supervisor or superintendent and saying, hey, your guy was doing this. You need to fix the problem. I think that's a better way to handle it. So you avoid the controlling employer designation. I've had uh, employers, or no, they're actually not employers, but companies cited who had subbed out the job and did nothing at all to exercise any control over the job site. And in this particular occasion, the citation was vacated because he never went there. He had zero, and it was not built into the contract that he had any control over what the subcontractor was doing. That's good. I think it's kind of a fine line because once OSHA has deemed you to be a controlling employer, you do have some responsibility um, toward the contractors that you are, they say you are controlling. You have a duty of reasonable care, you know, and so then the question becomes, well, what do I do to make sure that the contractors on my job site are working safely without becoming a controlling employer? I think it's a really fine line and it's, it's a hard one to walk. I think it'd be tough to, to do that. Yeah, I agree. So Did we get all four of the, no, we, I think we left off um, correcting employer, which I, I don't think you see too much, but that would be like um, an employer who's on the job site specifically for the purpose of, erecting a scaffold or building guardrails or that kind of thing. So they're there to install the safety devices that other trades are going to use. I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm trying to think. I, I've seen it once. I see it was a scaffolding contractor. Yeah. Um, but only the one time. So that's not as common. But yeah, you're right. That's a big problem. So the compliance officer comes in. Uh, arrives at the job site and says, hey, I'm driving down the road and I see your employees up there uh, working um, on this building and you're not tied off or, you know, and I see some other problems. The, it will, the inspection will begin the same way as it would if you were 
in a fixed facility, like a warehouse, for example, in that there will be an opening conference, but the, uh, the compliance officer might ask to find out who all the employers are on the site and then might conduct that opening conference with multiple employers to make sure they understand who all the players are, right? Yeah. Is there any difference other than that? Is there any difference at the opening conference that you can think of uh, from a general industry inspection? Uh, yeah. And it's, it's kind of a big one because lots of times you don't have um, management on site when OSHA shows up. You might have a foreman, a lead foreman, but he's not necessarily management. He's, you know, it's a working foreman that's that you leave in charge as you're going around, say you're the superintendent or, you know, um, some type of management employee that goes around and checks on job sites periodically through the day. You're not on, on the site all the time. And if you're not there when OSHA shows up, you've got to ask OSHA to wait or you've got to figure out a way to get somebody there to handle the inspection who's trained to handle it. Sometimes they'll ask for the competent person. So if it is like a, a say, fall <clears throat> protection, yeah, they might say uh, they might want to know who the competent person is for fall protection on your job site and then ask to speak to that person as well. And that may or may not be the same person that you're talking about who would be the person responsible for just handling the inspections. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Another issue might be that you don't necessarily have the documents there on site that OSHA wants to see, like your logs and your SDS and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that's a great point because employers are supposed to have written safety plans with them at the job site and the construction site, but often they don't. Those plans are almost always at the office or the facility <laughs> if you're in general industry, right? Or they're mm -hmm. supposed to be. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and then there are they are supposed to have certain things at the job site, and often they are not there, and hopefully, hopefully they are. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's I think that's pretty much it for the opening conference. Can you think of anything right. else? So how about for the inspection itself? Yeah. I mean, again, I think the biggest issue there is you're still going to try to tailor the inspection to whatever brought OSHA out to your job site. Um, so, you know, if it was a complaint, you're going to just look at the complaint item, or if it's, um, you know, an injury on a piece of equipment, you're going to only have the inspector look at that equipment. Um, so you'll still try to limit the inspection that way. But again, it's hard when you're out in the open, you can see everything that's going on. Um, you know, I think it's good advice to have your people stop working during the inspection. Do you, do you agree with that advice? I do. Yeah. Um, OSHA isn't there to, you know, look at everything, hopefully. I mean, if they're there for a specific reason, take them to look at that specific item and then anybody who's doing anything else should stop. Maybe another maybe. reason, another reason to have them stop is that when OSHA shows up, it's it's a big deal, and it's very disruptive. And if you're competent person, or let's say your your uh, safety personnel are suddenly 
directing all of their attention to the OSHA compliance officer, then they're not watching what their employees are doing and they're not helping their employees be safe. And it's probably safer to just have everybody stop working because everybody's going to be distracted. Everybody's going to be yeah. watching to see, you know, what's going on with the cops that are on the job site <laughs> now. And uh, it's a, uh, an opportunity that is fraught with uh, hazard. So, all right. So they conduct their inspection. The, the rules are the same in terms of, as you just said, walk the compliance officer, try to walk the compliance officer directly to the point where, um, uh, where they're inspecting whatever it is that is the subject of their inspection. Um, they could conduct, try to conduct interviews there on site. Um, sometimes they might want to do that in the job trailer, but it also might be awkward at a construction site because sometimes there's no job trailer uh, and, and interviews might not, um, they might not be able to hold interviews like a formal interview at, then and there. Right. Yeah. Um, another challenge that I think OSHA faces with interviews is that um, oftentimes, especially in the construction trades, you get um, Spanish speaking employees and OSHA may not have an interpreter there. Uh, you certainly don't want anyone to be interviewed. Um, if you are concerned that they're going, their testimony or their statements are going to be misrepresented by OSHA, you want them to have, you know, adequate representation resources during their interview to communicate with OSHA. Let me pose this to you, not to get too far afield of, of where you were headed, but um, what if, kind of going back to the multi-employer worksite thing, what if one of the contractors on the job site calls you and says, hey, OSHA's here, and you happen, you, the employer, happen to not have anybody on the job site that day? What do you do? Do you go and participate in the inspection or the, the opening conference in the inspection? Do you send somebody or do you stay away? All right. I'm sorry. Say that again. I am I am an employer on the job site, but on this I, particular day, I literally don't have anybody there. Right. Do I know what they're inspecting? Yeah, let's pretend let's this is a hypothetical, so it can be whatever we want it to be, right? But let's say so my my hypo was what if another contractor on the job um calls you and says, Hey, OSHA's here on this job, they're doing an inspection of everybody. And let's say it's in response to a complaint by one of maybe it's by one of this contractor's employees. Do you send somebody out or not? I guess it depends on the subject of the inspection. Yeah. If I am at risk of being cited, then I would send somebody out, I guess. But if I certainly if I am being inspected or mm -hmm. if it looks like it's very likely that my work is going to be inspected. Maybe this was, if this was a complaint, then this is not something that the compliance officer has witnessed that day, right? Mm -hmm. But this is something that uh, allegedly had occurred at some other time or is an mm -hmm. ongoing thing. So um, if it involves me, then I guess I would, I would want to be there. If there's no risk of me being ensnared in that if i'm a roofing contractor and they are 
doing an inspection regarding confined space permits or something, you know, like that. And they just want to have all the employers down there. I don't know that I'd send somebody. What, what would you do? I tend to agree. I mean, chances are excellent that they're going to find out about you anyway. You know, your, your physical presence uh, there isn't going to tell them anything new. I don't think they're not going to learn about you because you show up. They're going to find out, they, they're going to ask the general or whoever's in charge of the job. Okay. Who else is on this job with you? So they'll find out about you anyway. So I tend to agree with your advice. If it's something that implicates you or something that you can, if there's some way you can help control the scope of the inspection by being there. Um, and if you feel you need to control the scope of the inspection, then, then go, if not, then maybe stay away. One other thing that um, construction employers should be aware of, if they're working outdoors, if it's summertime, if it's a warm climate, um, OSHA is, they do have a, a heat illness emphasis program right now that's in effect right now. And so, you know, if they're out on your job looking at something else and they're like, hey, it's kind of hot out here. Let's talk about heat illness. Where's a copy of your heat illness prevention program? Um, that happens a lot more in the construction industry than it does in general industry. So um, I think that's sort of a unique problem that construction employers face as well. And that is one of the subjects that is taking OSHA out more and sending them more out, sending them out to your construction job site more than, yeah. uh, uh, than perhaps they used to. There are more compliance officers. They are very concerned about heat illness. We've been warning our construction contract clients about the national emphasis program this summer. It's been a very big deal. Yeah. And they're actually trying to develop a standard on it. So it's on their radar, <laughs> at least. We know that much. Okay. Well, anything else that we should talk about that's um, different for an OSHA inspection at a construction job site there probably are other differences but anything major that we can think of that would be worthy of our time here you know not not at the inspection level but i think when construction employers get cited by osha if the inspection results in a citation there are concerns about um being able to bid work um lots of times you have to put your osha citation history um, into the bid at some point or communicate that information somehow. And if you've got citations that can work against you, it can prevent you from actually getting bids. So, um, you know, be concerned, not just about the amount of the penalty, but what the classification is of the citation. If it's serious or willful, heaven forbid, or repeat, those are going to be concerns for you. If you've got a, if you've got a bid work. That often is the main concern. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily the amount of the fine, although sometimes that can be. And now the fines are more expensive than they have ever been. But it is that that blemish on their record, which would prevent them from uh, from bidding work. That is a big deal because then you, I mean, you can pay a fine, but if you can't get work, then you you can't do. Yeah. The reason you exist. I also think OSHA is interested or it works to their advantage if they cite multiple employers um, and they get those multiple employers pointing the finger at each other. Yeah. Uh, and and mm -hmm. that can help OSHA make their 
case if they've got employers who are blaming each other uh, on a job site, which is an um, uh, unfortunate event when, when that happens. It just makes everything a lot more complicated for uh, construction contractors than it already You're right. Is. Yeah, you're right. That's a problem. Especially a problem if you're the guy who, if you're the sub and you do a lot of work for the general and, you know, the general is the one that got you into hot water, but you don't want to point the finger at the general because they're the hand that feeds you, um, you know, then the sub is in the position of, okay, do I, do I defend myself by pointing the finger at my biggest client or do I just take my lumps, take the hit, pay the penalty? Um, you know, that's, that can be tough too. Anyway. All right, Abby, anything else that we should discuss? No, I think we've covered the main differences uh, between, between the two types of inspections. All right, so for our next episode, we're going to review the top 10 most cited standards for fiscal year 2022. So that will be an informative and exciting episode as always. <laughs> Um, it is helpful to go through that list every year so that you see what OSHA is looking for and, and what they are, in fact, finding. So yeah. until then, remember, we are lawyers. But we're not your lawyers, at least not while we're on this podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will be back with you soon.